This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Your eyes on the times, you walk ready to speak up. But with so many problems, you're exhausted trying to keep up. This is the Church Politics Podcast, where you can get political commentary from a biblical worldview. We're not trying to be conservative or progressive. We're trying to be Christian in the public square. And I'm black as heaven. I'm made in God's image. Nobody can change my settings. Hey man, cut off my knees and put an end to my search. It's easy to sell your soul when you don't know what it's worth. Which you know good, Ann Camp. You're listening to the Ann Campaign's Church Politics Podcast with Justin Gibney, a.k.a. Bishop Cooper's grandson, and the Windy City representative, the baddest brother above the Mason-Dixon line, my play cousin, the right reverend, Christopher Butler. Chris, I got some good news, at least uh, for Ann Campaign Atlanta. Uh, we have moved into a new office, so we're excited about that same area of the city of Atlanta, but got a new office. Shout out to Grove Park Renewal, where we used to stay. They were very kind to us. We just kind of outgrew that location. And I think us outgrowing that is a sign of just how the end campaign is growing in general. I know that we'll be in LA in December for another chapter launch. Mm -hmm. So things are going well, man. I'm excited about that. How are things on your end? Well, things are going well in Shy town you know we are wrapping up the year and looking forward to a lot of things next year in Chicago so super excited about that and I'm you know we're in the wait and watch phase for Butler baby number six so that's right you know that's basically dominating most of my life I, I I can understand that well we'll be definitely be praying for you in that regard that is a major deal and we're we're uh, certainly happy for you and all that your family is gaining in this. There's just so much going on. I mean, Chris, you know that since the last time, and I don't want to ignore the fact that I've taken two weeks off. For those who are premium members, you know that Chris has been doing some premium episodes, and so you got to listen to that. But I've been gone for about two weeks just traveling all over the country, really, and great opportunities, meeting great people, and it's been been really exciting. But a lot has happened since we talked. One of the things that we've done is we have kind of released our Civic Revival Initiative, which yeah. is coming in 2024. There's so much to come about that. In fact, I think me and Chris may do a full episode on it either at the end of this year or the beginning of it next, just so you understand what's going on with Civic Revival. But if you want to hear more about it, you can go to the Ann Campaign's website and just know that we'll be bringing some of the details soon. But Chris, I saw something and, you know, on this podcast, we readily admit we're not <laughs> we're not huge Trump fans. But I saw something that he said that was kind of funny and kind of fit the moment and what a lot of people are thinking, I think, on both sides of the aisle. So Trump, and I believe this was on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now, Trump, Trump said this. He said, I hope we never find life on another planet, because if we do, there's no doubt that the United States will start sending them money. <laughs> and that that is a sentiment that I've I've heard from a lot of people again, both right and left, about what, what things that are going on. Any, any thoughts on that tweet, Chris? I mean, I I just heard it this morning. It's hilarious. And if if there's anything serious to note from it, Democrats should take note that Trump is getting himself back into shape for the campaign. 
He is. I mean, to to use levity to address that. That was. I mean, that was that was a pretty good jab. Yeah. I think. I think he 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 made a good point and did it pretty effectively. So we'll see where that goes. But yeah, I thought that was funny. I mean, when it comes to our foreign policy and the way that we spend money, I think there's a lot of questions there, and maybe even time from some from some sort of paradigm shift. The crazy part of it is Cardi B, the rapper Cardi yeah. B, recently came out and said something similar. She said, mm-hmm. you know, she's having, you know, she's not going to endorse any presidential candidate. That she had a problem with the fact that uh, New York City was making cuts in education, making cuts in policing and some other areas. While at the same time, we say that we have money to fight, you know, two different wars and all this other stuff. So it's a point that a lot of people are making. And I think folks need to pay attention to. As I mentioned earlier, Chris, you've been doing some premium episodes on Patreon. Uh, I want to give a shout out to all our patrons and supporters for, for supporting us in what we do and how we do it. Again, if you are on Patreon, if you give on patreon.com slash church politics, you can get premium episodes. So we do these you know, regular episodes and then we'll do premium episodes almost once a week for the folks who are subscribers to that. If you are watching on YouTube, again, you can probably tell we're in a new office because I don't have anything behind me. But just know that we do have a YouTube account. If you watch there, make sure that you like and subscribe. All right. So you know what it is. Grab your Bible, get your mind right and prepare to think not like a Republican, not like a Democrat, but to think like a Christian. We'll be right back on the Church Politics Podcast. Are you too progressive for conservatives and too conservative for progressives? As a Christian, do you find yourself feeling politically homeless? If so, then you're not alone. Listen, this is Justin Gibney, president of the AND campaign. And if you're a Christian who doesn't know a whole lot about politics or someone who knows a good deal about politics but wants to be more faithful in the public square, then you have to read the AND campaign's book, Compassion and Conviction. The AND campaign's guide to faithful civic engagement that we published with InterVarsity Press. Whether you just want to understand the relationship between church and state, why Christians should engage politics at all, how Christians should engage partisanship, politics and race, advocacy and protest, or even civility, this is the book for you. It's very much Bible-centered. It's Bible study and small group friendly. There are questions and exercises after every chapter that give you a framework for engaging politics in a biblical way. So if you want to do it in a better way, get our book, Compassion and Conviction, The End Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement. And we are back on the Church Politics Podcast, as we usually do. I want to start this episode with a little bit of scripture, if you don't mind, Chris. And I want to go to Proverbs 11, verse 1, which says, The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. The Lord detests dishonest scales. Chris, I hope you know this, and I'm sure you do. Our God is not fond of fraud and crooked business practices, a.k.a. dishonest scales. In fact, Chris, if you look close enough, he calls this oppression. Those are pretty strong words. Mm -hmm. If we go to uh, Hosea uh, chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, it says, 
The merchant uses dishonest scales and loves to defraud. Ephraim boasts, I am very rich. I have become wealthy with all my wealth. They will not find in me any iniquity or sin. See here, Ephraim boasted about their riches and considered it a blessing from God. They saw it as proof of their righteousness, but it was really the product of dishonest trade. And therefore it was frowned upon, detested and condemned by God. They thought their wealth would hide their sin, but their sin was clear as day. And we know that not all wealth is a sign of God's blessing. You see, Chris, God pays attention to our business practices. If we're using dishonest scales, if we're overcharging people, misrepresenting material facts or taking advantage of consumers just out there finessing people, then we're considered oppressive. God has a problem with that. And as we discussed a few weeks ago, Chris, according to Feeding America, 44 million people in the U.S. suffer from food insecurity. That is about 13 percent of American households. One out of five children are food insecure. Yet we have food producers who apparently are playing with prices in very illegal ways. According to the website Law 360, an Illinois federal jury found the nation's two largest egg producers and two industry groups liable for conspiring to conflate egg prices through coordinated supply restrictions. That is an antitrust violation. More specifically, their price fixing scheme included exporting millions of eggs overseas to drive up U.S. prices around Thanksgiving and Easter. The trade group encouraged egg producers to prematurely slaughter still productive hens and promoted what they're calling early molting, where producers caused hens to lose their feathers and temporarily stop laying eggs by keeping them in dark areas and removing feed and water. So it seems like we have price fixing and maybe some animal rights issues there. Basically, what they were trying to do, though, Chris, is that they were playing with the supply in order to manipulate the prices and fill their pockets. So food prices are sky high, which presents a very serious problem for a lot of families. This is not abstract. This is not theoretical for a lot of people. We know this is serious business when you have to make decisions on whether you're going to eat or do other things. I would I would suspect that a lot of people won't be traveling for Thanksgiving and, and other holidays because of prices, right? We have this problem, yet we have people coming up with schemes to artificially make prices even higher than they are. That's wrong. And I think here on the Church Politics Podcast, we need to call that out. Now, we know that having money and even having a lot of money is not necessarily wrong. But Christians must be aware of and be careful about how they get their money. The means matters. The tactics you use matter. How you treat other people, how you treat consumers matters. Not just in the street, not just in the law. It matters when it comes to your faith. Chris, what are your thoughts on this egg price fixing scheme? Yeah, I mean, it is a a stark example of this really, really disgusting thing that the more you know, reporting and research is done, it seems like this is something that is way more pervasive in our economy. Uh, I have to say, especially in our food economy, than many of us think. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's just disgusting. 
And I think one of the the major problems here is that this has gotten such little coverage. I mean, we pulled this off of More Perfect Union website, and they're, they're doing great reporting there. But CNN has time to cover some Trump testimony from one of his former aides that he broke down in tears on the witness stand. Fox News has, you know, opportunity to cover what actresses are are doing that's not, you know, sort of politically GP. And it's like, why are we not discussing this? Like, these are the types of things that really impact people's lives. And I think that it would be a lot more difficult for folks to get away with. Not, I guess these folks didn't get away with it because there was a lawsuit. They lost the lawsuit. But folks would be more vigilant about this, would be thinking about it more. It, it might get talked about at Thanksgiving if these things were being covered in mainstream media. And I think that the fact that mainstream media doesn't talk about these types of issues with much more regularity uh, is a big problem in this country because this stuff is happening way more than any of us would like to think. Yeah. And many people would point and say this is a product of corporate capture. They don't talk about certain things because certain interests are behind them and they don't have the independence to do that. And and when that comes when it comes to media, and we're going to talk about independence in another way uh, a little later. But when it comes to the media, for them not to be independent enough or even thoughtful enough, maybe to cover these issues is is, is really disappointing. Now, one other thing, and you kind of alluded to it a, a little bit. There's another factor here and another way that this comes into the broader conversation. Now, many conservatives would blame the rising prices on inflation, right, Uh, which kind of prosecutes Biden for some of his economic decisions. And we've discussed that already. While a lot of progressives are using examples like this to say that what we're going through really isn't inflation. We're actually just experiencing price gouging that a lot of companies especially during the pandemic, saw an opportunity to raise prices and figured they, you know, that we'd pay whatever and then they could just kind of blame it on inflation. Now, to be clear, and I want I want to be clear on this, what the egg companies were doing was more than price gouging, right? They conspired to and broke the law. They broke antitrust laws, right? Price gouging and price fixing aren't the same thing, right? They're yeah. not necessarily the same. And one thing I think we have to realize when we talk about price gouging, because it does happen, is price gouging is kind of hard to define, right? When do we determine that a company's prices aren't just high, that they actually constitute outright gouging, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's not an easy line to draw. Because to some extent, price gouging is a subjective concept, right? It's relative to the market. It's relative to a lot of other factors, And states even have different laws on price gouging. And and according to my understanding, some states don't have any laws on the issue at all. According to Waylon Wong of NPR, in some states, retailers are allowed to pass on wholesalers' costs. And in other states, they're not. It's kind of a random patchwork of guidance that uses words like exorbitant, excessive, and unconscionable with regard to pricing without defining what those terms actually mean. So the law is not very clear on what constitutes price gouging. And I think it would be hard to, to draw a very clear line on what that means, when, especially when you have so many different markets, so many different factors that have an impact on it. But at the end of the day, 
there are instances where people are where people are looking at at things and raising prices to an unreasonable level just because they think people will have to pay for it. And, and I think that's wrong. Any thoughts on the you know on the price fixing versus, versus price gouging and the definition thereof? Two things like they're certainly not the same thing. I I, I do think that price fixing is is just down the road from price gouging, right? Like it's on the same continuum and is a more severe case of the willingness and ability of a corporation to do things that are contemptible to increase their profits, right? So on the price gouging end is going to be more, you know, sort of morally contemptible versus when it comes to price fixing is like illegal and it's it's in contempt of the actual written law. I also think that these two concepts sort of get more mixed in the context of the sort of corporate monopolies that we have, right? So when you're looking at, you know, right here, we're talking about eggs and in the food industry, I've seen it where as much as 80% of, you know, certain food products are being delivered to the American uh, industry by a small handful of companies. You know, Which should be per se against the law, right? That should be right. per se against the law, but somehow it's not. Yeah. So, and I, I think like you're s- suggesting, I think we already have laws against this that are just not being enforced. But when those laws are not enforced, it's easier to do what would, I guess, legally be defined as price gouging or not defined as price gouging, as you said, mm-hmm. is difficult to, to define. But these monopolies are not difficult to define under law and they are already illegal and we're just not enforcing those. And so while some companies are not getting into exactly what we see in this you know, egg industry lawsuit where they're messing with the chickens and sending eggs overseas, there's still this sort of bad milieu of immoral and illegal activity that is taking place. And the net effect is that prices are going up on consumers. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's something to look at. But again, the broader conversation here, Chris, is when it comes to business practices, if you use dishonest scales, if you are finessing people and if you are doing things that are fraudulent, that's a sin. Yeah, that's oppressive. So this isn't just about the egg industry. It's about how Christians and, and people in general do business and how consumers and others are treated. We need to pay attention to that because just because you got money doesn't mean that you got it in a way that glorifies God. Doesn't mean that it's a blessing that came from God, especially if it's a product of greed or of misrepresentations. And it happens all the time. And something tells me there may have been people that made these decisions when it comes to this egg stuff that consider themselves to be Christians and were Christians. Right. We need to be aware aware of that and we need to pay very close attention. We will be right back on the Church Politics Podcast. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. And 
and we are back on the church politics podcast chris i want to i want to real quickly play a clip and this clip's probably a few weeks old we've been gone for a minute but it's something that i saw and i still think the issue is very much relevant and i think it speaks to a topic or is going to allow us to speak to a topic that we just need to confront with the people today i think it's an issue that deals with representation and it's just 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 something that that needs to be discussed on this podcast. So, Bo, go ahead and, and run that clip if you don't mind. Here's the deal. Perception is reality. And so when you look at the data that was provided in this poll, it talks about how people feel. And when people decide whether they're going to the poll or whether they're not going to, to the poll, it's all about how you feel in that moment. And so while the facts may not align with their feelings, their feelings are dictating their reality. Their reality is that they said that they feel better or they felt better when Trump was in office. But we've been trying to push back. We've got some very popular African-American artists that are out here saying things like, oh, I got checks when Trump was in office. I want those checks again, not understanding that that really came from Congress. Mm -hmm. So we've got a couple of things, the perception issue. And then we also have an issue as it relates to civics in this country and people not understanding exactly how any of this works. So what we just heard, Chris, was that the facts don't align with the people's feelings, that the people's feelings are dictating their reality, and that this is a matter of perception and a lack of understanding regarding the civic process. I want to reflect on that for, for a second. In other words, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, the majority of Americans who don't think that this administration has done just an outstanding job aren't smart enough to understand how great things really are. That's what I'm hearing. So the food, food, the food prices are just a perception. Mm-hmm. Paying over 40% of their income on housing is just perception. Sending billions of dollars overseas while people suffer on the domestic front is just perception and civic illiteracy. That's what I'm hearing. So the first thing I want to confront this on two fronts. The first thing I want to say is, this is a terrible approach when it comes to the Democratic Party. If, if this is going to be their approach, if, if this is going to be their line of argument that we're awesome, you're just too stupid to see it, then they might as well pack it up. That, that's just not a winning message, Chris. I, I think yeah. that's a terrible message. Number two, I want to address the messenger on this and, and not really the messenger being Representative Jasmine uh, Crockett personally. I don't know her personally. I'm not trying to condemn her. This really isn't about her. It's about a broader issue of what we are messengers and representatives of. And I really want to get into how parties send certain messengers out there really to play themselves in tough situations. So what happens is if big news breaks or a big poll comes out and it doesn't look good for a certain party, what parties want to do is they want to get out ahead of the news cycle, and they want to be able to spin the conversation their way. The Democratic Party, really both parties, are able to send people with certain with a certain profile and with a certain identity out there because they think that type of person can get the message across more effectively or it reaches the demographic that they're targeting. Obviously, they think Representative Crockett is an effective communicator, and I get that. What I want to focus on, though, Chris, is how we have to be careful about how people use our voice, use our profile and use our identity. Because on both sides of the aisle, they'll send people out there really to defend the indefensible. Here, 
We have this sister calling out the people, basically calling the people civically illiterate and overly emotional for partisan purposes. In my opinion, Chris, you may disagree with this. This is when partisanship goes wrong. Right. You have this situation where you have an up and up and coming leader. Right. Trying to make a name for themselves. They get an opportunity that they're called up. It's, it's one of those put me in the ball game coach situations. Right. Mm hmm where they have to address an issue. They see a messenger who might be able to address it effectively. They give them talking points. But when you read those talking points and listen to the message that they're putting you out there to send, I think we have to have a little more discernment in how we do that. Cause that's not a message. I think anybody's constituency would appreciate them being the one to relay. Yeah. Right. I mean, we got to be careful about that kind of thing. And, and let's be honest, she's up and coming. This is when a party calls you to do something like that. It's a major opportunity. There was a time in my life. If given that opportunity, I might have been doing the same thing. So, again, this is not about condemnation. It's not just about calling anybody out personally, but it's about the situation. And when we're trying to come up in a certain industry, when we're trying to come up in leadership, not every opportunity is a good opportunity. Not every time they use you as the face of a certain message or the face of a certain platform, are they helping you or sending you to do something that is dignified and respectable? And I think this is one of those instances. Yeah. Now, Chris, Second Corinthians 5.20 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. For Christians, and I don't know where the representative is on this, but I'm saying for Christians, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of Christ. He uses us, which means we have to be very careful about how we let other people use us and the messages we let other people use us to send. Don't let partisans, business executives, organizational leaders or anybody else send you off. Don't don't let them send you out there to just say anything. And you may be want to be put into to the game. You may want to jump off the porch and get an opportunity to show them what you have. And there's nothing wrong with that in general. But you got to watch what messages you let them folks put in your mouth. And again, this is an example, a political example. But the same thing can happen in corporate America. The same thing can happen in a lot of other areas. And so I think for Christians in general, especially when we have some ambition and ambition isn't always bad, mm -hmm. but we have to be careful how we allow people to use that ambition and sometimes exploit that ambition because this particular instance was a bad look. And it's not the first time it's happened. It's not the last time it's happened. It's not a situation Chris and I couldn't have found ourselves in. But I think it's worth pointing out that it's something that should be avoided, especially when the message isn't one that I think is dignified or that really serves the people. Go ahead, Chris. What are your thoughts? You actually, I think, created a, a good context. When I, when I looked at this, I thought about the AND campaign and the Christian Civic Leadership Academy in particular, because I think that this is it's a really important thing because you framed it the way that I was thinking about this. You have a this young 
congresswoman from Texas, you know, she she was elected the first time in 2022. So she's a she's a freshman. And you get this opportunity to go on CNN and talk for the party. That's a great opportunity that folks who are trying to come up in the party. You know, you really want that type of thing. And and actually had the job of coordinating African-American surrogates for a high profile white candidate when Bill Daly ran for mayor here in Chicago. And so this whole thing made me think about the importance of training people to to not only be that leader, right, to be that 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 congresswoman who might get called upon by a party, but also to be in some of those chairs inside of campaigns and inside of party apparatus who might be coordinating some of those things and might at that step be able to vet some of the talking points and say, hey, maybe there's a different way to approach this. Because, I mean, this is what the party has to do is what the party is supposed to do. When stuff is coming out, you got to get that get out there and spin it, right? Like that's the job. And the person, whoever is coordinating those surrogates, that's their job is to find somebody who can go on CNN and deliver the talking points, right? But is there somebody there who can, with a little bit more wisdom, righteousness, integrity, and discernment, help craft talking points that will, you know, move the ball for the party, but not compromise the integrity of the surrogate. Because I think over the long term, that's bad for everybody. And so when it comes to those leaders, when it comes to the folks on staff, like I think it's really important that more and more we have like believers in these spaces who know how to think about this and who have community where they can talk this stuff over, where they can vet some of these talking points, think about other opportunities. Because that, that's one of the things that I think about, you know, when, when I met you, Justin, I was actually, you know, thinking about getting out of politics because I had come to the conclusion that there was really no room to remain, you know, faithful to the things that I believe and find some career success. And so these opportunities are not just opportunities that we want. They're, they're opportunities that kind of need if this is your career and, and you're right. going to advance in that career and, you know, this is how you're going to build your life, you know, provide for your family, et cetera. And so is there community, right? I think that's one of the things that the AND campaign represents broadly in the CCLA represents in particular is this ability to develop those skills, hone that ability to look at these situations through this particular lens, and then to have community where, one, you can find opportunity and build a career path with folks who have a sort of similar worldview, and also a community to sort of just vet some of these opportunities. They're asking, you know, it's it's so invaluable, and we do this for each other, right, uh, Justin? To be able to call somebody and say, here's the opportunity or here's what this person is saying or asking me to say, what do you think about it? That is an invaluable opportunity because sometimes when you do have ambition and it is your career, you're not necessarily seeing it as clearly as you might if you were not the one in the situation. So the ability to be able to call somebody and get an outside opinion, another look at it, all these things are important. And it's I saw a lot of people kind of make fun of, of this uh, representative. I mean, she did it. Ultimately, like, it's her decision to go on and, and do it. But I kind of felt bad um, for her because I used to be the guy putting pressure on somebody to go deliver the talking points. And so I know what that's like. I know what what you go through when somebody wants you to go do the right. talking points. And I also know what it's like to be trying to navigate all this space without that community, 
without any of that training, it can be overwhelming. So, and, and look, this is just easy to fall into when you're ambitious, when you're trying to come up, you have to be very careful. <laughs> and I think we've all had moments of vulnerability, ha- all have moments where we slip where again, we could have been in a, a very similar situation or worse. Yeah. Right. So we do. I think it's I- important to have some grace when it comes when it comes to that. In this particular situation, you pointed out, I don't think really helped anybody. I don't think this helped the party. They would have been better off if they just never said <laughs> said that. Right. She would have been better off if, if she just never said that. But I think we have to realize that in some instances, I don't want to give an idealized view of this. In some instances, if you don't take that opportunity, that opportunity may not come again. Yep. And that's a big dilemma for Christians who want to do good, who want to say, well, if I compromise this just a little bit, maybe I'll get an opportunity to do something better. That's the issue that I think a lot of Christian politicians in general are dealing with and have fallen because yeah. of. Right. At some point, a Christian has to stand on business and say there's certain things I won't do. And if that means the opportunity passes me by, then so be it. But sometimes in the way that God works when you stand on business, you do what you're supposed to do. You still get opportunities yeah. and you get to do it with integrity. And usually the people that are asking you to do stuff, if they know you have integrity, they're going to have a little more respect for you. Yes. So does it always work out to your good? Well, I think everything works out to your good at the end of the day. Maybe, maybe or maybe not within politics for your, you know, your career. But it's something you got to do, man. You can't just have people out, have you out there saying anything again whether that's your boss, whether that's, you know, a, a friend, a mentor or anything, we can all get ambitious, get bad inv- advice, try to come up and end up falling off or, or taking the L because we really just weren't as discerning as we should have been. Chris, I'll let you take us out on this. One. Yeah, I, I think that what you said is super important, especially if you're going to be in like a locale for the long term or in an industry for the long term. I can say that over time, even though... N- not everybody always agrees with you. And there are going to be spaces that they won't invite you into. You build a certain level of credibility and people have respect for you. I think that's what I've been able to experience in Chicago, right? Like not everybody always agrees with me. There are certain things that when people are doing it, they're not going to invite me into it. But people kind of know where I stand on things and have respect for that idea that is going to stay the same. Uh, and I, I think you can cultivate that over time and that that does sort of accrue to your benefit over the long term. That's real, man. So hopefully y'all learn something from that again. It's not it's not something either of us are uh, strangers to. It's not necessarily a unique situation, but it's one Christians need to be thoughtful and faithful about. We'll be right back on the Church Politics Podcast. <laughs> are back on the church politics podcast with justin gibney and the right reverend christopher butler chris and, and, and you know this well one of the reasons that the church was so valuable in the civil rights movement to the civil rights movement was that the church was independent and what i mean by that chris is that the church was not reliant upon the government it wasn't reliant upon corporate America or either party. The church was able to operate with integrity and 
with boldness within the civil rights movement because it had a level of a great level of independence. And in a similar way, obviously to a lesser extent, I think the and campaign's value to the church and value to, I think, broader America, the potential that's there is also our independence. It's the fact that we can critique the Democratic Party without being worried about our office being shut down tomorrow. We can critique the Republican Party without being worried about, you know, all our funding being taken away. Right. It's that independence that allows us to have the boldness that I think is what really people really appreciate about, appreciate about the end campaign. We talk about a lot of issues that a lot of other civic organizations or commentators run away from. We talk about a lot, Chris, that we feel it is our obligation to the church to hold the line on certain things. That regardless of who's talking about it or what the consequences may be, the AND campaign has committed to saying we will be faithful on these issues because even if nobody else is talking about it, we were sent here to have that conversation with compassion and conviction. Right. So there's a lot of issues that we touch on that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. And historically, for a lot of civic organizations in general, but a lot of African-American civic organizations, we've seen them compromise the integrity of the organization because their money was tied up in people who had ideological agendas. Because their money was tied up with groups and organizations that push them to do something they wouldn't otherwise do or push them to say something they wouldn't otherwise say. We have committed to never be in that position to say, you know what, if we got to close down and shut it down, we've gained trust from churches and faith leaders all over the country because over time we have proven that we are going to maintain our integrity and we've walked away from tables with money on the table because we were not going to compromise that. Are we the only ones doing that? That's not the point. I'm not saying we're the only ones doing that or that we're completely perfect, but we don't accept money with ideological strings attached to it or that would push us towards doing something or saying something we wouldn't otherwise do or say. If you appreciate the way that the end campaign does that, if you understand that it's our independence that allows us to do that, I hope you also understand that we need you to give. To keep this going, to make sure that we can continue to grow, uh, continue to to build chapters, to get our message out and and market our message even more. Most of most of you who listen to the end campaign or the church politics podcast don't listen to the church politics podcast because you heard all this marketing. It's really been word of mouth. And that works to a certain extent. But then it comes a time where you got to grow and you got to get the message out to even more people. We will maintain our independence. We will maintain our integrity. The question is, will we continue to have the resources to grow and to spread that even further? And in order to do that, if you appreciate how we get down, if you appreciate the boldness and the independence, then we need you to be a part of this conversation. Again, we can look throughout history and show what independent organizations with integrity are able to do. 
we, you know, in creating the and campaign in looking at how we actually were to be funded and executing it. This was part of the plan to maintain that independence. And we need you to do it. Any thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah. When I was learning organizing, we used to uh, really stress to community organizations, to churches and other institutions that what gives you your power and your independence is, is three things. Number one, you got to have your own money. Number two, you got to have your own people. And number three, you got to teach your own values. So if if you are completely dependent upon somebody else's money or some some source of money that doesn't come from people who are a part of your organization aligned with your values, then you've compromised your power. If you're dependent on people to do the things that you need to do to write your letters, show up at your events, do whatever is the thing that you do. If you got to get somebody else to bring their people to fill your room, you're in a bad spot. And two, if you've got to send your folks somewhere else to learn their values, then you're in a bad spot because if that other place stops teaching those values or changes the values that they are going to teach, then you're going to be in a bad spot. And so I look at and in much the same way. We want to continue to grow. We want to continue to be independent. In order to do that, we've got to have a strong base of financial resources that comes from the ANCAN, right? Like folks who uh, value what we do, who are aligned with uh, what we're trying to accomplish. That's where our money's got to come from. Not only do we need people to give, we need people to show up. You mentioned earlier about the Civic Revival Tour and uh, the, the broader Civic Revival. As we engage in this, I mean, this is going to be as, as good as, you know, the folks who support the AND campaign make it in terms of learning what we're about to try to do and, you know, putting your hand to the plow to do it. And then all of that enables us to continue to do the podcast, produce the newsletter, all the other content and the, the books, the trainings, everything that we do, that's all teaching the values. And we don't ever want to have to depend on somebody else to do that. Like we need to be able to continue to produce these things so that that voice can be out there and available to folks. So uh, I really hope that in this time that that people do step up to give. And I, I always remind people, even back to my organizing days, you know, every little bit counts and every little bit helps, right? There are enough of us that if each of us does what we can, we're going to be more than fine. And, and I hope we've shown you. I mean, I've talked to so many people who say the AND campaign has given them hope that there's, there's another way to go about this. If that's the case, join the movement and help us grow. The fact of the matter is, if we would change our views on racial justice, if we would change our views on abortion or change our views on sexual ethics, a lot of doors would open. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think any of this would be a problem if we were willing to do that. We're not willing to do that. And we know that all money is not good money. So let me thank those of you who have donated to the and campaign who've been doing it for a long time thank you for those who have you considered or would give if you had it we greatly appreciate you but we need more of you to join this movement for it to expand i think we punch up i think we accomplished a lot more than people who have double and triple the budget that we have right yeah. but we need you because we want to grow and we appreciate what you've done big gifts small gifts all appreciated but this is a movement this is something that 
we really think can change not only how the church does politics, but really can impact the flourishing of this country and beyond. And I don't think we've ever done a segment like this, but Giving Tuesday is coming up and we want to make sure that the and campaign is in mind when you, you know, when you think about who you're going to give to and how much you're going to give. We appreciate you listening, but we want more of you to kind of join this movement and, and really get involved. Anything else to add to that, Chris? No, I mean, I, I think that, you know, we have it out there. This is certainly a season where folks are going to be expressing things and then giving, like you mentioned, Giving Tuesday. So I just hope people really feel all the love. And, and you just ran it down, Justin. But we, we really, really appreciate every bit of support that we've gotten so far. We're so, so thankful. And, you know, just encourage you to the extent that you can to keep supporting what we do. We appreciate y'all, man. Y'all know what it is, Ann Camp. There's a cross that neither political conservatism nor progressivism is fit to bear. There's a civic hearing in need of faithful witnesses who love social justice and won't surrender the truth to be loved by the world. Politic with the boldness and compassion of Jesus Christ. Until next time, Ann Camp. Holla at you. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.